the beach last week. I've been monitoring the weather forecast for Panama City for most of the summer in anticipation, and they've had storms and storms and double red flags, which means no swimming, don't get in the water. So we kept our eyes close to, to little Wyatt being too little to swim. And, you know, one of the, the greatest horrors I can imagine would be to lose a child. Have you ever been separated from your child or maybe when you were a child from your parents and remember that moment of fear that gripped you? I remember when we were children and my parents were still married and were at church one Sunday and mama thought that daddy had Michelle, my sister, and daddy thought that mama had Michelle and we get home and my step uncle calls and says, hey, are y'all missing anything? We had left my little sister at the church and I don't think she will ever forget that for as long as we live. When Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, 5,000 children were separated from their parents. Can you imagine the terror and the horror, losing everything you have, your home being wiped out and being separated from your parents? I want to think with you this morning on this topic, inseparable. Inseparable. Ever known a couple that was just inseparable? Some of us know a couple I thought of when I thought of that term, Ben and Pat Breed. Some of you know Ben and Pat, and they're in their early 80s, I think, and they are just inseparable. They've been through so much together. And Pat says, you know, where he lacks, I make up. Where he, he makes up, I lack. You know, they, they struggle in their age, but they, that's an inseparable couple. Their love just grows more and more intense. My wife had a great aunt and uncle, Ruby and Charlie Waters. They lived to be their 80s. They're about this tall, and they were always holding hands as long as they lived. They lived in Savannah, very active in their church. Ruby and Charlie were just inseparable. I love to see people like that. Um, Scripture teaches us when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing can separate you from his love. Our relationship with Jesus is inseparable. And yet, this is one of the most debated topics in all of Scripture, and I'll never understand why that is, because for me, the Scripture is very, very clear that once we are saved, we're always saved. And I like to tell people, people who don't believe this, people of other denominations, say, now, you're Baptist, y'all believe once saved, always saved, right? And I'll say, yes, we do, but for me, the emphasis is on once. You got to make sure that you are saved. I've known too many people who are religious, or it's like a hamster on the wheel, they run through the motions and they fall off and they think they got to get saved all over again. Scripture is very clear that our relationship with Jesus is inseparable. We've been going through this series we've called Building Blocks, Building Blocks. And you know, when we planned our sermon series for the year, you know, we thought we'd have a, a bigger launch than we did. A lot of people would be saved, and so we thought we need to go through some basic doctrines of the faith. And the reality is most of us here have been saved and known the Lord for some length of time. But I pray as we go through this series, it just reiterates what you already know and makes you thankful for the truth of Scripture and equips you and I to deal with other people that we encounter that don't share the same beliefs that we do. I know my brother-in-law who saw the light and became Baptist, uh, was raised in the Church of Christ, and they believe that, number one, they believe you got to be baptized to be, to be saved. They think if you profess the Lord and die in a car wreck before you get baptized, you're going to hell. Well, that's not taught anywhere in Scripture. And the other erroneous doctrine that he was taught growing up, and one that he still, by his own confession, something he still struggles with is eternal security, and once saved, always saved. It is impossible for me not to be my mama's boy. I was born hers. She carried me for nine months. I'm still a mama's boy at almost 60 years old, although I look like her older brother or her daddy instead of her son, but nothing will separate that. 
Even if you're not acting like your mama's child or you got separated briefly, you're holding your child's hand and they break away and run away when they're little, they're still your child. Nothing changes that. That fellowship can be hindered, but that relationship stays the same. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to my favorite chapter in all the Bible, Romans chapter 8. In fact, later on this fall, we're going to go verse by verse through Romans 8, but we're going to hit a lot of Romans 8 today. You'll see why I love this chapter so much if you don't already know. If you're physically able, let's rise and honor the reading of God's Word. We'll, We'll look at verse 1. And then we'll drop down. I promise you up front not to preach every verse of Romans 8 today. Romans 8, 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That verse right there has kind of been a theme verse of our church from day one. I don't know if it was Gracie, one of our young college students from South Georgia or who, but we throw that out over and over. There is no condemnation at Transformation Church. Drop down, if you will, for time's sake to verse number 38. Verse 38, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome says, and I am convinced He doesn't waver. He's not back and forth. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I'm so thankful for the specificity of your word. Lord, as we look at Romans 8 today, I I confess I don't understand how anybody can have questions about the fact that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that it doesn't depend on Mike. It doesn't depend on what I do or I don't do, because, Lord, I know if that were the case, I'd mess around and lose it. But I'm thankful for that blessed assurance that we have because Jesus paid it all. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love. Speak to our hearts today. May we celebrate the eternal security we have in you. And Lord, equip us that we might be able to engage a world that is lost, a world that is confused, and teach the truth of your word to them. Because Lord, we know the power is in the word of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Several things as we kind of walk through parts of Romans chapter 8 today. I want you to know number one, God is for you. Write that down. God is for you. Have you ever had people that just don't like you? No matter what you, now y'all are such nice people, it probably doesn't happen to you. But I'm telling you, as a preacher, it comes with the turf. Some people don't like us because of the way we talk. Some people don't like me because I admittedly talk too fast. Some people don't like me because I'm a rural boy from South Georgia. Some people don't like me for just whatever reason. I've been lied to, lied about, things said about me that I wouldn't say about a dog. I ran into a lady recently at the funeral home. I went for a visitation at the funeral. This is a lady that, that we loved and we were close to. And then towards the end of, of my tenure at that particular church, for whatever reason, that lady turned on me like a snake. She wrote a letter about me that, my goodness, the letter got back to me. She sent it to people throughout the church. If I was that person, I deserve to be in hell right now. But I ran into that dear lady at the funeral home, and I went, she, was, she was this close to me and would not even look at me to speak to me. Well, I got a clear conscience. Had she looked, I'd have hugged her, I'd have greeted her, because I know my conscience is clear before God. But listen, 
If I start focusing on the people that don't like me and the things they say about me, I could just have a pity party and wallow in it. But listen, my feelings and my emotions are just that. The, the facts of my salvation don't depend on what people say about me, but what Jesus says about me. And the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 8. God is for us. God is for us if the whole world is against us. In fact, verse 31, look at verse 31 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Well, what wonderful things is he talking about? You know, we, we study scripture in context. So when he refers back to these wonderful things, let's just visit a few of these wonderful things. Romans 8, 1, we just read it. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter how bad I mess up, no matter how bad I may fall, God is for me and nothing will separate me from his love. There's no condemnation. Verse 2, another wonderful thing, he says we're free from sin. I don't have to do the things that I used to do. Now, I can choose to take my eyes off the Lord and do things that I ought not to do, but I don't have to. There's freedom from my sin in verse 2. Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 16 says, we can have assurance of our salvation. That's a wonderful thing Paul's talking about. Verse 28, which is my life verse, my anchor, when things are bad and I feel like I'm flailing on the seas of life like those triple, double red flags last week in those big waves. If I feel like I'm drowning on the sea of life in my sanctified imagination, I picture that life raft and I just throw my arms over it and I'm hanging on for dear life. For me, that's Romans 8, 28. And we know that God allows all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's some of the wonderful things that Paul is talking about there. Number two, write this down. God promises to provide all our needs. Number one, God's for you. God's for you if the whole world's against you. And number two, God promises to provide all of your needs. Look at verse 32. Since he didn't spare even his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He didn't spare the life, the crown jewel of heaven, God's only begotten son, John 3, 16 says, the only one ever born that way, born of a virgin so the curse of sin wouldn't be passed down through him. But yet God didn't spare even the life of his only son. In the Old Testament story in Genesis 22 of Abraham and Isaac, you know, Isaac, the son born of the promise in, in Abraham's old age, and he waited for the promise to be fulfilled. Sarah even laughed when God said, you're going to have a baby. And then God says, take him up there, and I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to kill your only son. And Abraham trusted God. And the Scripture shows in Genesis 22, he pulled back the knife to plunge into the, to the heart of his only begotten son, and God spared his son. When he said, hey, there's a ram over there stuck in the thicket. Sacrifice him instead. Instead, God provided a sacrifice, but with Jesus, God allowed him to die for my sins. So if he died for my sins, he's going to meet all of my needs. Uh, we were on a, on a cruise many years ago. I don't remember which cruise it was. I, my daddy gave us money one Christmas. Just shocked us all. My, my daddy lived in a double-wide mobile home in a cow pasture. I'm not making that up. And one Christmas, I don't remember, was it $5 bills or $10 bills? We all opened at the same time. And my daddy gave me and both of my sisters, our families, $5,000. 
I'm like, what bank did you rob? Where did, I know you don't have this kind of money, Daddy. And he took out his retirement. He said, I'd rather watch my kids enjoy it than die and leave it later on. So we got to go on a cruise. We took our two kids on a cruise to the Bahamas. And if you've ever been on a cruise, they give you these little booklets to go and visit all these stores, you know, and win little prizes. So we waited in a store, and my wife, there was a grand prize of the day. It was a Help me out here. It was a five-carat black sapphire, wasn't it? A five-carat black sapphire. And we waited. I could be out enjoying the sun, but Julie wanted to wait. And lo and behold, my wife wins the five-carat black sapphire. And Julie believes if you win, you ought to act like what? You ought to act like you're on the prices right. So she screamed and hollered, and everybody looked, and she won that grand prize, the biggest prize of the day. Well, what, what if we said, hey, we need something to put this in. Can you just give us a little box? No, we're not giving you a box. You already won the grand prize. You're not getting anything else. Listen, God gave us his very best when he gave the life of his son, Jesus. Won't he also give us everything else that we need? Flip, if you will, hold your place in Romans 8. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew 6, 25 God's Word says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him, to God, than they are? Drop down to verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Look at verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. And that's a conditional promise. If you seek the kingdom of God first, you live righteously just means to live right before a holy God. If you do, if you meet those conditions, he says he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God may not give me everything I want. Because everything I want is not in line with the will of God, but he promises to provide all of my needs. God is for you, number one. He promises to provide all your needs, number two. And number three, God does not condemn us. God doesn't condemn us. The world may condemn you. People may condemn you, but God doesn't. We saw it in verse one. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. You don't have to live in guilt anymore. Who, who wrote this passage we're reading here? I need to take a drink of water, so I'm going to ask you some questions. Who wrote that? I think Paul wrote the book of Romans. What do we know about Paul? He wrote most of the New Testament, in fact. What do you know about his past? <clears throat> he persecuted. He not only persecuted Christians, he killed them. And to my knowledge, none of you have ever killed anybody. Don't tell me if you do. It'll freak me out. I don't, I don't want to have to be, I don't want to have to report that to anybody. But I don't think we have any murderers here. If a guy that hunted down, persecuted, and killed Christians says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, we can certainly celebrate that. Now, there's shame in sin. I'm ashamed of some of the things that I used to do. I'm ashamed of the things that I've done. And that's all right because that shame should be a deterrent from me ever wanting to go back there again as a, as a dog returns to his vomit. That's what it's like when we go back to our sin. We were in the kitchen the other day, and, you know, my, our daughter who's working tonight at the hospital, so she's not here today, 
Not only did our daughter move home temporarily, but her dog came with her. So we're in the kitchen, and I hear a noise, and Julie says, don't look, just leave the kitchen. And she says, it's in the Bible. I knew at that point when Julie said it's in the Bible that that big old 90-pound black lab had thrown up in my kitchen. He likes to go outside and eat grass. I don't know why the dog thinks he's a goat and he eats because he throws up every time. It's in the Bible. And that's disgusting, is it not? As a dog returns to his vomit, God wants that to be disgusting. God meant for, there's no accidents in the Bible. God wanted us to say, that's how disgusting it is when I go back to the sins he's already forgiven me of. But there's no condemnation. I don't have to live in that anymore. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, they just never meet. East just keeps on going and west just keeps on going. We, we all have stuff in our past probably we'd like to go back and undo, but we can't do that. I love the old, I was going to say original, but I don't guess it was the original, the Superman movie with Christopher Reeves, remember that? And when, when he flew around the world backwards and he made time go back so he could rescue Lois Lane, I wish I could do that. wish I could undo some stuff in my past, but I cannot. You know, a scar is just a reminder that God has healed a wound. When you see a scar, be thankful that God healed that wound. I can't go back and undo my sin, but I can praise God that I'm forgiven and there's no condemnation. Satan can try to beat me up over that, but he can't do it unless I let him. You don't have to live in shame when your sins are forgiven. Romans 8, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Nobody. If God doesn't condemn you, who cares what the rest of the world says? How do we know God's not going to condemn us? Letter A under that, because Jesus died for our sins. He paid much too high a price for my sins. He paid a debt he didn't know because Mike owed a debt I could never, ever pay. I needed somebody to wash my sins away. Romans 8, 34 says, who then will condemn us? No one. Why? For Christ Jesus died for us. There's no condemnation because Jesus died for us. Letter B, there's no condemnation because Jesus rose from the dead. Look at the end of verse 34. Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. If Jesus died in my place and he rose victorious to forgive me of my sins, why would he ever condemn us? Why would he ever bring up junk from my past? And then let her see, how do I know there's no condemnation? Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit pray for us. Jesus and the Holy Spirit pray for us. Verse 34 says, he, Jesus, is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Drop, go back to verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit's saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. It is a joy to pray for one another. If you're not on our Group Me app, see Pastor Matt and make sure you get added to our Group Me app. That's where we share a lot of prayer requests uh, in our church family says we don't you know we don't have a building to come to every week somebody asked me recently do you think we'll ever have a building I said you know you've heard me say we, we have never been thrilled with the house we live at 2722 Summer Creek Drive we love our neighborhood we love our neighbors but it is a cheap inexpensive starter home that costs more than my nice home in one Robbins we don't like it We've never been happy there. I don't want to do a lot of work to it because we don't plan to stay there. 
But I'm not looking for another house. You know why? Because I can't afford one. I can make a lot of money, but I can't afford one. Somebody said, are you looking for a building for your church? I'm like, what are we going to pay for it with? Certainly ain't my good looks. You know, I pray one day God will give us a building. And I told this individual, in East Hall, we know God called us to East Hall, so we're not looking anywhere else. If God wants to give us a building one day, why did I get off on that? I don't even talk about a prayer partner. Pray for that to happen, for God to grow his church in one day that we could afford to have our own place. Here's the reality. If somebody said, hey, I'm going to write the check. I'm going to buy, your, buy y'all a church to meet in. If somebody gave us a building tomorrow to meet in, well, then we got to pay for the lawn care. We got to pay for the internet. We got to pay for the water. We got to pay for the lights. We got to pay for the... In- so you see what I'm saying? I pray one day God lets us. So pray for that. But we got the greatest prayer partner ever. Jesus, the Son of God, is seated at the right hand of God praying for us. You ever been so wrung out you just don't even feel like praying? I've been there before. If you're on our group, you saw last night, sweet Raylene said her 93-year-old mom has been diagnosed with, um, I guess, some kind of term. She's been put on hospice, whatever is causing that at 93. And then Raylene has a cousin who had, is it four kids or six kids? Six kids, I believe. The four youngest kids, I think, were with grandparents. The dad was leaving to take the two teenage, two teenage daughters back to a dance camp somewhere up north. The dad and both daughters killed in an accident. How does that mama with four little kids know how to pray? She's so wrung out. Um, how do you explain to four little siblings that their daddy and their two sisters are gone like that when you are so emotionally wrung out? You don't even know how to pray or what to pray. Lean on the fact that there's no condemnation and the whole Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for you. And also, we got this inseparable relationship. Number four, write this down. God will never leave us. He will never leave us. People will leave you. People who were once your friends may turn on you, but he never will. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Now, people, God's judging that guy. You know, he's struggling. He can hardly pay his bills. He's in debt. He's slinging cookies for Nabisco. Must be some sin in his life. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Look over that list right there. That, that is like the personal testimony and the autobiography of the Apostle Paul. He'd experience every single one of those things, but he says, nothing will separate us. Verse 36, as the Scriptures say, for your sake, for God's sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Well, that's an interesting verse right there. He says, as the, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep for God's sake. I love the old preachers. Most of my heroes are in heaven now. Most of the preachers I look up to are in heaven. J. Vernon McGee wrote over 35 years ago. He said, I think that speaks of the persecution of Christians and the martyrdom of Christians who are being killed for their faith. It happens all over the world even now. And I think we're seeing some of that Christian persecution intensify. This is July 4th week. And I'm going to be very careful what I'm about to say right here. But let me say, we better pray. We better seek the truth because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But elections matter, y'all. Elections matter. It matters that we vote and who we vote for. Just in the last week, just in the last year, we've seen Roe versus Wade overturned. 
We've seen persecution of, of, of Christians overturned. We've seen discrimination in the form of affirmative action outlawed. We've seen all these things happen in the last year because elections matter. It matters who you vote for. And I'm not trying to be political, but within the providence of God, if that woman had been president, I'm telling you, none of these things would have happened. That is a verifi verifiable fact. So we praise God. We celebrate the fact that these things have happened. Didn't have even happen in our lifetime. And we've seen all this stuff happen in the last year. Because persecution of Christians is intensifying, but the Constitution is very clear. By a little civics lesson, the job of the Supreme Court is not to set laws or make laws or vote on their opinion. The job of the Supreme Court is to interpret the original intent of the Constitution. That is without question. All men are created equal, so there's no affirmative action. There's level ground. All of that can be proven, and the, the Constitution was based on scriptural principles. I'm a little bit off track here. Nothing can separate us. Jay Vernon says, being slaughtered like sheep means the persecution is coming. We're going to see more of that in our lifetime. Why did the Supreme Court have to make the decision that, that a baker doesn't have to bake a cake that violates his principles? Or, or somebody who has a website doesn't have to do websites for people that violate their conscience because it is a targeted anti-Christian bias on the part of some in America. They could go to anybody else to bake that cake. They go to any other florist they want to, but they target Christians to persecute them and to come up with some lawsuit. Persecution has been the history of the church, by the way. We went through the book of Acts as we led up to the launching of our church. The blood of martyrs has been the seed of the church. The persecution in the first century book of, in the book of Acts, it scattered the church, and it scattered the gospel, fulfilling Acts 1-8, that you will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Speaking of being his witnesses, that's going to be our subject next week. How do I share my faith? How can I share my faith with others? In every seat today, we put some of our little witnessing cards. One side is an invitation to our church. The other side is the plan of salvation. I put them in your chair, not just to be uncomfortable if you sit on them. Keep those with you. They're little enough to put in your wallet or your purse. Take those with you, and as the Holy Spirit prompts you, share that with people. Invite, invite, invite. If we want this church to grow, and I think we do want our church to grow, we got to be about inviting people. But persecution scattered the church. Persecution makes people search for answers. Verse 38 says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can imagine the people persecuting. He said, hey, man, we're just going to kill you. He says, well, that's all right because to die is gain. We changed our mind. We're just going to let you live. That's all right for me to live as Christ. We're just going to make you miserable and suffer. In Romans 8, he says, that's why I always joke Paul is a southerner because he reckoned. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's revealed within us. So, y'all, we can't lose. Whether, we, whether we're persecuted, whether we live or we die, we cannot lose. You cannot separate us from the love of God. The earth early Christian martyrs, when they were dying for their faith, they would say to their tormentors, their killers, thank you. You're about to transport me right into the presence of my Savior, Jesus. To, to die is gain, but to live is Christ, and sometimes living is more difficult than death. I was engaging with a man yesterday on social media. He's not from here. 
He's, I think, in his late 70s caring for his wife who has Alzheimer's, once very active in his church. And he said his wife is very private, doesn't want people to know she has Alzheimer's, very classy, older lady. But he shared with his pastors at his church, this is what I'm going through. He said, nobody reaches out to me. I don't have anybody. There's people all over social media like that looking for somebody to show that they don't have any children, no grandchildren, no siblings, no parents, all alone. And I reminded him that it's just for a season. The best is yet to come because your sweet bride knows Jesus and you're, you're ministering to her. You're fulfilling the vows you made for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. So no, no matter how bad life gets, it's better with Jesus. There's no condemnation. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The message is not a Bible translation. The message is a paraphrase. But sometimes it's good to look at the paraphrase, and sometimes, many times, the paraphrase gets it right. The message paraphrase for Romans 8.38 says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Why? Because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I love that right there. Jesus has embraced us. And if somebody thinks they're going to get to Mike, they got to go through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to get to me. Nothing can separate us from his love because it's not based on my righteousness, but on his righteousness. For me to say you can lose your salvation means you got to prove something's wrong with Jesus' righteousness, and he was born of a virgin and never sinned, so that's not going to happen. And then finally, write this down, number five, we are more than conquerors. God says you are more than a conqueror. I skipped verse 37 earlier, which immediately follows verse 36 chronologically. Verse 36 talks about being led as sheep to the slaughter, willing to die for your faith. Right after saying that, he says in verse 37, yet in all these things, even if you are crucified, if you die for your faith in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors to me is one of the most curious phrases in all of my Bible because I don't really understand it, but I like it. A conqueror is somebody who has a goal, and they go after it, and they get it. That's good enough. The Bible says, uh-uh, you are more than a conqueror. In the original Greek language that this was penned in, uh, the phrase is hypernikeo, hypernikeo, over and above victorious. You know, Nike that I used to buy until they decide they hate America and want to hire people who hate America. I don't buy it. If you see me wearing Nike, you already had it and already paid for it. I don't buy it anymore. But, you know, that, that swoosh that they have, it's symbolic of over and above victorious. Child of God, no matter what you're going through, even Raylene's cousin's wife with those four little children with no daddy, God's Word says in her deepest grief she can be hypernikeo, she can be over and above victorious. How can we be led as sheep to the slaughter and still overly victorious because Jesus done paid for it, we'd say in South Georgia. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He got the glory. There's nothing in our life that is going to lead to me being separated. Don't tell God how big your storm is. Tell your storm how big your God is and that you are more than a conqueror. I love Romans 8 because it starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. I'm not condemned and I have an inseparable relationship with God. Uh, the old Marvin Gaye song, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't nothing can separate us from the love of God. Look at your conclusion number one. 
Are you absolutely certain of your inseparable relationship with God? Are you absolutely certain? People say, well, you know, I hope so. I think so. I mean, I hope I get to the end of life and my good outweighs my bad. That don't mean anything. If you're, if you're counting on your righteousness alone, you're going to bust hell wide open. I don't have enough. in All of our righteousness wadded up together in one. That's not enough to equal one drop of the precious blood of Jesus who paid for our sins. Are you certain of that? You can know that you know that you know that you're saved and nothing can separate you. And if we know it, we ought to live like it. And then number two, kind of as a segue into next week, if you know, who can you share that truth with? Who can you share the truth that nothing can separate you from the love of God with this week? Who can you share those little invite cards with? Now, don't hold up the line at Walmart. People are already ticked off because they're having to wait in line anyway. But just say, when you get a minute, I want you to read this. And it's cool sometimes to walk, to walk away and turn and look back, and they start reading it right then and there. You don't have to engage them in some deep theological discussion. You just plant that seed because the Word of God is like little bitty seeds scattered all around. And so there's some in the road and some in the weeds, but everywhere you look, you find little bitty seeds. Why to be sharing the seeds of the gospel so that people can know what I know. I have a relationship with my Father that is inseparable. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful that my life's not my life. My life is yours. I'm thankful that I cannot do anything to make you love me more, and I can't make you do anything to love me less. I thank you that on my best day, I'm a child of God, and on my worst day, I'm a child of God. Because I have an inseparable relationship with you, Father, help me to desire more and more and more to hunger for holiness, to hunger for obedience, to walk with you in such a way that it pleases you and that those that are not believers can look at my life and the life of others who claim the name of Jesus and say there's something different about them. I want to have what they have. I'm thankful that you died on that old rugged cross for our sins, just as was foretold in the Old Testament. I'm thankful that after you were crucified, you allowed them to put the body of your only son Jesus into, an empty, to, into a tomb for, for three days. But on that third day, thank you, Lord, that he rose again victorious, and he's alive and well today. And because of that, my sins are forgiven, my past is redeemed, and my eternity is sure because it's sealed by the blood of your son Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, when we walk in defeat. Forgive us, Lord, when we live all pooch-lipped and with our face down. God, help us to lift up our head knowing that our redemption is drawing nigh. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. We are more than conquerors. So, Lord, help us to walk in that in such a way that the people of East Hall and Northeast Georgia see Jesus in us, and they want to have that relationship with you that we have. God, I pray that every card that each one of us take out of this place today will be shared with the lost person this week. Impress on our hearts, Lord. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Help us to see that lady in the checkout line at Walmart, or that person beside us pumping gas at the gas station, or that neighbor who's out cutting their grass. Lord, show us who you want us to share these witnessing cards with. People need to know. People need the Lord. Move us with compassion that we share that inseparable relationship with the world that desperately needs to know you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song.
and celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. If you need to pray, you pray. If you need to respond, you respond. If you want somebody to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. Whatever you need this morning, Jesus is. Hyper Nikeo, you're more than a conqueror.